0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Hello everybody, I'm Steve Huffman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church. It's good to see everybody on a Saturday night. I love Saturday nights. Uh, Let's see what I've got here. Uh, Offering, last couple of weeks have been a great offering. So thank you so much. As I was reflecting on that this week, um, I was very thankful for a church that recognizes that they need to give back what they have been given by God so we can move ministry forward and make uh, Jesus' name famous. And you guys are doing a great job at that. So thank you. And with that, let me pray for the offering. So God, we... Uh, around the vineyard, we, we tend to do a lot. We just heard about 24 Hours to Love Our City. There's a whole bunch of other things going on. And God, some of those things take money. And so we're asking God that every dollar that comes in, we want to do the right amount of ministry. We want to make the most impact for you. So help us with that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Why are you getting there? 2 Samuel chapter 12. I want to first let you know that we are going to be in a lot of scripture today. Can we just agree right out of the bat that we're going to go deep? Are you okay with that? Whoa. All right, so you're good with that. So we we got a lot of scripture. We're going to start in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. While you're getting there, here's an introductory thought. Actually, it's a question, and I want you to think of this question. What's the messiest place in your home? Some of you are laughing. <laughs> What's the messiest place in your home? In my house, I've got a couple of messy places, but in my house, it happens to be in my kitchen. Funny story, on Thursday, I asked my wife to send me a picture. I said, text me a picture of the kitchen sink. And here's what she sent back. I didn't expect this. And she said, okay, we're strangely clean now, but no doubt that will change. (laughs) Two hours later, I get this picture. (laughs) That's kind of messy, right? And what's interesting about this mess is... Three feet and a couple of inches to the right is this little thing. You might know what they are. It's called a dishwasher. And when I open the dishwasher, this is frequently what it looks like it's empty. There's room for everything in the sink to clean up the mess and put it in. I don't know why that happens. I'm as guilty as anybody, but that's frequently the messiest part of the house. But it's easy to clean up the mess. I want to talk about a bigger mess. How many of you have made bigger messes in your life outside of the messiest? Yeah, we know what this looks like. There's some big messes. Do you want to hear a big mess in Pastor Steve's life? Isn't this going to be really fun? So about eight years ago, I was working uh, for a hospital. We were working with another hospital in Elkhart. I was driving a ton back and forth to Elkhart, working an incredible amount of hours during the week. And I don't know if you knew this, but license plates actually expire. (laughs) Did you know that? There's this date thing on the license plate. It's really important that you pay attention to this. And some of you right now are thinking, are my license plates expired? Like, it's important. And so, I, I was driving to Elkhart like I was doing many days. I happened to be speeding. I'm sorry. I was speeding. I really wasn't paying much attention. And guess who gets pulled over? I get pulled over. And I, right as soon as I saw the lights go on, I, I thought, you know what? I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell him I was speeding. I wasn't paying attention. The nice officer comes up, and I explain, I'm. I really don't know how fast I was going, but I'm sure I was speeding. I'm sorry. He tells me how fast I'm going, and then he says, Do you know your license plates are expired? I do. And he said, Do you know they're really expired? Like months. Months. And the reality is, in my head, I had come up with this excuse that I was too busy to go spend an hour at the driver's branch to get the thing. And uh, he gave me a ticket, and it was over $500. That mess was a little harder to clean up, right? Something that could have taken me an hour now has cost me a lot of money and a little bit of embarrassment. A bigger mess, harder to clean up. Now, I know some of you, because you raised your hands when I asked, have made messes in your life. What do we do with even bigger messes than a ticket? Messes that hurt financially, messes that uh, hurt relationally, hurt something within a family. What do we do with those situations? How do we clean those up? And I want to focus today on this concept. Many of you have heard this one word, this word, repent. Repent. It's like the biblical equivalent to if you have a mess in your life, you need to do this thing. If you've sinned in your life, you need to do this thing. And actually, it's the first when we look at Jesus and he starts his ministry, it's right out of the gate, his first sermon, his first word. If we look at this, Matthew 4.17, it says, Jesus began to preach. And he says, repent, it's the first word. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, that word repentance, many of you uh, have heard that word before. The word actually means this, to think differently, to reconsider, to change one's mind for the better. I've heard it taught on weekends sometimes where if you're heading in a direction where you've sinned and you have a problem, you actually turn away from that problem. Have you heard that? You turn away from it. Here's, I think, a better way to think about it. Repentance is actually turning away from the problem, the sin, and turning towards God. Because the world would give you like 40 different options to choose, but there's only one that's good. Acts 3.19 says this way. It says, repent then and turn toward God. Exactly what I was saying. So that, look at this, your sins might be wiped out the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, I want my sins forgiven. But I also want, I'm just thinking of areas of my life, I want times of refreshing in my life when I create a mess. Whether the mess is big or small, I could use some refreshing. Can anyone else use some refreshing in your life when you create a mess? No one. Okay, here, let's think of this question. Think of this question. Are there any messes where I need a refreshing from God? Just think of your life. Big messes, small messes, but where your life sits right now on a Saturday night, if the Lord had a big bucket of refreshing God stuff with your name on it, raise your hand if you would want that. Go. Right? I I want that. So hold that thought. We're in a series called Facing Our Giants, the spiritual journey of a great warrior. We're looking at the life of David all throughout the summer and the great life he had had. And today, as you can guess, we're going to talk about repentance and what that means. Because David had great areas of his life and David made some mistakes, but I think we can learn some things from his mistakes to get to that refreshing And many of you know this story, but I want to pick apart some things that you may not have picked up. And the story is David and Bathsheba. So let me give you some context before we jump into what happens. David's a king, doing great things. His life's been pretty good. The other kings are at war. I don't know why David's not at war, but he is back at the palace. He steps up on the roof Essentially, this is the Steve version, right? Steps up on the roof, looks out, and sees a beautiful woman bathing. Not his wife. He summons the woman. The woman comes. Her name is Bathsheba. The woman comes over. She's married. They make love. She gets pregnant. Bad. He realizes that he's in the midst of this problem. He actually sends to kill Bathsheba's husband, Uh oh. They end up, Bathsheba and David end up getting married then. And we're gonna pick up the story at this point. But before we do this, I I just wanna point out that at this point in the story, David has blown through three of the Ten Commandments. He has blown through do not covet your neighbor's wife. Whoops. He has blown through don't commit adultery. He has blown through do not murder. 30% of the Ten Commandments blew right past him. And the Lord sends this guy named Nathan, we don't know a lot about him, to David. We're going to pick up 2 Samuel 12, starting in verse 7, it says this. So what the Lord, the God of Israel says, this is Nathan speaking to David. David. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Bounce down to verse 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living... He wouldn't listen to us when he spoke to him. How can we not tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. Just a little bit more. And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her, made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. There's about 10 or 20 things I'd love to focus on in that text. But there's two Specific things that I want to highlight as David goes on this journey of repenting for his sin that are important for us, and I'll highlight those in just a minute, but I want to pray first. So God, I pray uh, as we dive into these two things, it would be so easy for us to think things are going well in our lives, but there's... God, I want the refreshing that you said that you have for us. And so for every person in here, I pray that your hearts are open, that your ears are open to what God is saying. So Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Two things I want to highlight on David's repentance journey. The first is this. David's repentance included confessing, Immediate personal responsibility. You can write that on your program. Confessing immediate personal responsibility. David has blown through three of the 10 commandments. Nathan comes to him, delivers a message from the Lord and says, you messed up. David's response, verse 13, David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord no explanation of why he sinned no defense in the middle of it she was beautiful i was lonely someone made me do it i'm dumb nothing like that it was one sentence i have sinned against the lord that's a good confession here's likely why david was moved to confess proverbs 28:13 Those who conceal their sins do not prosper, does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. David wanted the mercy of God that he promises. And David immediately confesses, I have sinned before the Lord. Now, when we look at messes that are made in the Bible, not everyone in the Bible does what David did, and just calls it out, I did it. When we look at Saul, many times in this series, we've referred to Saul. He's sort of the antithesis of David. Uh, And and here's what Saul does. When he messes up, I talked about this about a month ago. He messes up, goes against what the Lord had said, and someone calls it out to him, and here's what he says, 1 Samuel 15, 20, he says this, but I did obey the Lord when I talk to my boys about the dishes, hey, the sink's a mess. Well, but I did put my dish away. Right, but there's four other dishes in the sink. Well, but I did, but I did it. But I was uh, going to the hospital and it, I was really busy. How many times when we're confronted with a problem or a mess that we've made, that's our response? But Saul goes on in this as people continue to push him and say, I know you said, but I did obey the Lord, but you didn't. Here's his next comment, 1 Samuel 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, finally the confession. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions, but look at this. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. He shifts the blame off of himself. I, I was afraid, and I thought they were gonna... Uh, Hurt me, and so I sort of had to do it. it. He blame shifted. Here's what I see great confessions like David's have. They have three things. You can write them in. Great confessions are one of three things, they're heartfelt. David, in the midst of creating a really big problem in his life, his heart was moved to get the refreshing, to get the mercy of God. His heart was moved, it was timely. It does not say in the text that David ran someplace else, that he went back to ponder it for a few weeks. i got to process that sin, so I, got, I can't talk to anybody. i got to process it. He doesn't do that. It's immediate. I have sinned before the Lord. And he doesn't shift blame at all. That's what great confessions are. They're heartfelt, timely, and they don't shift blame. And here's the fruit of confession. I know it's an old concept, but it's so powerful. It's all throughout the Bible. Here's the power of confession. 1 John nine nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and pur- purify us from all unrighteousness. I want my sins forgiven. I, I, when, when I mess up I want to confess it to God and say, I, I'm so, that was me, I've sinned before you, I'm sorry. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, look at this, so that you may be healed. I want the, if God's got healing for me for something, I don't want it to be held back because I've not confessed something. I want to make this uh, personal for just, just a minute for maybe one or two people in the room. You've got a mess in your life and you need to confess it. Like, life is hard and you're not getting refreshed and it's a mess. And the reality is all throughout the Bible it says you need to come Clean. My wife and I, we've been married 22 years. Every second has been absolute bliss. (laughs) Marriage is hard. Like, I love my wife. We're doing great. But one of the biggest, I think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm teaching it this weekend, but I think one of our biggest breakthroughs in our marriage has been when someone messes up Either one of us come and say, you know what, I messed up. I should not have done that, and I did that, and I'm going to clean it. Sorry. And we we try to keep. We use the term. We use it around the office. Too, we try to keep short accounts. Like I, I don't want a running list of things that I have to apologize for and repent for and confess. If I mess up, let's let's just get it because I want the refreshing. I want the forgiveness. Now, I can't move on this point and go back to Scripture without making a stop at this point in the story of David because David's and Bathsheba's son dies in the midst of this. So David and Bathsheba make love pregnant, and the Lord says, because you've messed up, David, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm, your, your son is going to die. It's a hard thing to read. I don't fully understand everything that's going on. It's it's a hard passage for me, but I can't skip it. And what it points out to me in the midst of this, you can write this down. Confessing may not eliminate the temporary pain, but it helps secure an eternal future. sometimes we still have to deal with the consequences of the mess we made. But amidst, uh, amidst the consequences, I feel way better if I'm forgiven for my sins, if there's healing on the other side of it and there's refreshing coming. The harsh reality, but it needs to be stated, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Sitting in the midst of a problem or a mess in your life that you helped create, the wages of that is death. David wrote about this in the Psalms when he was trying to figure out about, okay, I've done something bad and I need to confess it. And actually, this is on the reading plan. If you're following along during the summer, uh, you'll hit it this week. Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. This is David writing. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, he's speaking to God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Some of you have stayed silent for way too long. And there's a bucket of refreshing just waiting to get poured out on you. If we follow David's example, which include, it is confessing immediate personal responsibility. The second thing I see in this story of David's repentance journey is this. And this is, oh, this is an important one. It's looking beyond the wreck looking beyond the wreck. At this point in David's story, this is a bad deal. I chose the word wreck for a reason, because if I were to look at David, he has sinned, he just heard that his son is gonna die, he pours out in prayer and fasting, does everything he knows how to try to change God's mind, and at the end of this time, his son dies. If that's not a wreck, I don't know what is. You know, and, and we tend to get, as a society, focused on wrecks. We have whole television shows and YouTube channels on people messing up their life, and we watch it, right? We're, we're fascinated with the details of the wreck and all what happened and what happens after, and we get fixated on it. But when we look at David, that's not what he does. Look at the, uh, This is fascinating to me. Verse 20. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, he put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food and he ate. His child dies. He gets up. He takes a shower. He gets cleaned up. And he goes right to God. And in the midst of this, I don't know about you, I can sort of wrap my brain around, okay, I got to get cleaned up. I gotta. He does not go and complain to God, God, why did you do this? He's not mad at God in the midst of it. He goes and he worships God. Here's the reality. David, don't miss this. Are you all right? Are we good? Yes. David in the midst of a wreck... Chooses to be who God called him to be instead of choosing to be what the wreck did in his life. David chose to walk out his calling instead of being fixated on the mess. Haven't we all met people who get fixated on the mess of their life? It's the only thing they can talk about. It's the only thing that they can write on Facebook. It's almost draining to be a friend with them because they can't move past the wreck. Even if they've confessed and repented, they still look back at the details and can outline like minute by minute what everyone said. And I wonder if God is up there going, can you stop looking at the wreck? I've got a calling in your life. The reality is, your story is still being written. You can write this down. My story is still being written. I don't want to make light of your mess. Your mess is part of the story right? That wreck that you made or helped make or someone else made in your life, that's part of the story. It's an important part of the story. But guess what? There are pages and pages and chapters waiting to be written because God looks at you and he has created you for a purpose. And that purpose isn't to focus on the accident. The purpose is to do something that he's made you to do. I've heard it a, a ton of times, oh, I've messed up bad, and I, I'm just disqualified. I can't move forward. If there was anyone in the Bible at this point who has disqualified themselves for leadership or doing something big in the Bible, it would have been David. He blew past three of the Ten Commandments, not the little ones, but the great big ones. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't Like, he blows through them, and he still says, God, you called me. I'm going to do it. David, because he walks out his calling, and Bathsheba, they're married, they have a son. They make love, have a son after this. He knows there's still life to live. There's still chapters to be written. And look at this, 2 Samuel 12, 24. She, Bathsheba, gave birth to a son. They named him Solomon. And this is what the Lord says about Solomon. The Lord loved him. There's people who have created a mess in your life, and you think, God's not gonna bless anything in my future because I messed up. Look at David. Like the kingdom continues. David, David's story was not done after the mess, and neither is yours. David worshiped. He put God in the center And he moved on. That was his repentance journey. It was two things. It was confessing immediate personal responsibility. And the second thing he did was he looked beyond the wreck. With that, why don't we stand for a time of prayer? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.